The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. So we're going to take just a couple minutes. See, Daniel is set up. It has 12 books. I'm sorry, 12 chapters. And the first six chapters are narrative, different story. And then we move into prophecy. And we finish the first six. We're ready to launch into the prophecy, but we need to review the narrative. So you ready? Okay, here you go. God's story, Daniel. So part of God's story is about a guy named Daniel, and it goes like this. Daniel was a Jew, which means he was part of God's special family. But when he was a young man, a king called Nebuchadnezzar, let's call him Nezer, came in from the city of Babylon and took over. He chose the smartest, strongest, most handsome Jewish men to leave their home and come work for him in his palace. One of those young men was Daniel. Even though most people in Babylon didn't follow God, Daniel and his friends did. So they had to figure out how to obey God and serve the king. For starters, they had to go through a training program where they were fed royal food. The problem was, King Nezer had also offered that food to idols or false gods. And since they followed God, they wanted nothing to do with idols. So Daniel had an idea. He asked the chief of the king's staff if he and his friends could eat vegetables and water for 10 days instead. If they got too weak or skinny, they'd eat something else. Well, guess what? God made them even stronger than the men who ate royal food. God gave Daniel extra understanding, too. In fact, a few years later, the king had a nightmare. Nobody knew what it meant. Daniel told King Nezer that he would ask God to show him. God did. After that, King Nezer adored Daniel. He even said God was pretty great, which was a big deal, because the king didn't even think about God before that. But soon, he made it hard for Daniel to follow God again. That's because the king built a huge gold statue of himself, 90 feet tall. Anybody who didn't bow down to it would be thrown into a furnace. This time, Daniel's friends were the ones in trouble. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They told the king, the God whom we serve is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we will never worship the gold statue you've set up. So they got sent into the fire. Well, pretty soon the king looked into the furnace and noticed that there were four men and they were walking around. An angel of the Lord was protecting Daniel's friends. They got out alive and didn't even smell like smoke. God didn't stop them from getting punished, but he did go through it with them. The king had never seen a god who would rescue like that. Afterwards, King Nezer didn't mind if Daniel and his friends worshipped God, but the king still worshipped idols too. So God sent him another dream, and Daniel told him what it meant. King Nezer would live in a field and eat grass like a cow for seven years. In other words, he'd go crazy until he realized that God is the only one we should worship. Kids, God doesn't want everybody to worship whoever they want. He wants everybody to worship him. Anyway, Daniel kept working for other kings of Babylon, even after King Nezer. God continued to help him understand dreams and visions. And even though he had to give a lot of bad news, Daniel did excellent work, and he was really well-liked by the kings. In fact, one king named Darius liked Daniel so much that others got jealous. They tried to get Daniel in trouble. But they knew the only way to do that was to make a law against God. They suggested that everybody pray only to King Darius. That made the king feel important, so he made it a law. 
Anybody who disobeyed would spend the night in a den of lions. Daniel kept right on praying, though, and when King Darius found out, he was sad. He didn't want to punish Daniel, but now it was the law. He said, may your God whom you serve faithfully rescue you. And guess what? God did! He sent an angel to shut the lions' mouths. Daniel served four important kings, and he followed God. But whenever it came down to obeying God or the king, Daniel chose God every time, no matter what. And even though Daniel had to do some really hard things, God was always with him. And that's the story of Daniel. So in case you missed it, here's the quick version. Daniel was taken to Babylon. He asked for vegetables. God made him strong. God gave Daniel understanding. Daniel's friends obeyed God instead of the king. They got punished. God rescued them. Daniel understood more dreams. He was the king's favorite. Others got jealous. Daniel obeyed God instead of the king. He got punished. God rescued him. Daniel served God no matter what. And that's a part of God's story. There you go. Now you're experts, right? There will be a quiz. Were you paying attention, Jim? I was trying to catch you up for that time you took that nap a couple weeks ago during church. Okay. All right, good. Hey, I, uh, I mentioned we'd do something a little bit different today, and I wanted to set you up for that just, uh, just for a moment. See, we've been going through Daniel, and uh, I don't always you know, think ahead all that well, but Marissa, our, our children's leader, said, you know what? Um, that week that we have, which is Memorial Day weekend, and it's also the fifth Sunday, so the kids are going to be there. in there. You're going to be on Daniel chapter 7. She said, I'm looking at Daniel chapter 7. That doesn't look all that exciting. Maybe you'll want to do like Daniel chapter 6 again or the lions or something. And I said, no, Daniel chapter 7, that's good. So I promised her that I would try to uh, make it a little bit different, a little bit easier to listen to today. Not that I've ever been boring, right? Uh, but we're going to try to make it a little bit easier to listen to today. I want to emphasize this is not an every week thing. But uh, we, we started to do something you know, years ago when the kids came in. I said, hey, if you fill out the outline, I'll give you a reward. And I was passing out candy. Well, I found out the hard way that not every parent appreciates me passing out candy. Uh, and the week we did popsicles, I was especially unappreciated that week. Uh, so what I've changed to is I go in and I pick up a bunch of these coins that are do dollars, okay? So here's what we're going to do. A little weird. I want you to know this is not every week, but I'm going to ask some questions while we teach. If you know the answer and you answer it, you get a dollar. Now, I didn't want to be running around or throwing dollars around the room or anything like that. So uh, I'm just going to ask you to be honest. In other words, if I say you earn a dollar, you just remember you come up afterwards and we'll get that to you. But I have a lot of dollars, so pay attention because I could stop and ask questions at any time. At any time, I could say something like this. If I said, open up to Daniel chapter 6, I would be going to talk about Daniel and the, and you'd raise your hand, and you'd say, and that's right. So he has a dollar coming at the end of the service. You get the idea? Some of you are thinking, there's like 50 bucks up here. So some of you, if you really pay attention, you're pretty good. Okay, so remember that, Tate. You have a, you have a dollar coming. And if I said something like, uh, okay, open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. Anybody want to try that one? The story of, there was this, wait, I want a kid. You greedy adults. Uh, you think you know it? Uh, yes, sir, try it. I'll give you a clue. Oh, it's hot in here. 
There you go. Well, that's good enough. Okay, you got a dollar coming, coming at the end. Okay, so you want to pay careful attention as we go through Daniel chapter 7. We're not going to read the whole thing, but as we go into prophecy, I, oh, let's go back to him. I want you to remember this. I'm not a big cat lover. Why did I put this poster up here? I, you have to be an old-timer in this. Has anybody seen this poster before? I think it was during the 70s. This was an incredibly popular poster. I had it in my teen youth room, okay? I remember seeing that cat hanging there. Uh, I think that was the most popular poster from the 70s, except for Farrah Fawcett, and I didn't want to put her up there. Okay, uh, so there we go. We got, uh, we got hang in there. That's going to be the theme as we go through Daniel chapter 7. You got it? Uh, we're going to see if we can hang on. Now, I want you to remember this. As we begin to look at prophecy, and this is going to be a rule going through the next several weeks, in deciphering the obscure, we can miss the obvious. That's good kid language right there, isn't it? Uh, Katie's trying to figure that out. Here's what that means. If we get too caught up on every minute little detail in prophecy and try to figure everything out, we can miss the obvious message. We are going to be focusing on the obvious messages. So I will not be predicting anytime in the next few weeks who the Antichrist is, okay? I got a hunch it's Tom Brady, but I'm not going to say that. Uh, I've always kind of suspected him of some things. Uh, and I am not going to be going through the, you know, when we talk about all the kingdoms of the end time, I'm not going to identify everyone. Well, this means this is because when that was done back in the 70s, some of those kingdoms don't even exist anymore. So I don't want to be wrong. Uh, but I'm not going to go into every little detail on prophecy, but we're going to get through and we're going to talk about the main ideas. And uh, we're going to see one very main idea today uh, as, as we hit this. Oh, by, hey, by the way, just as a side, just as a side, adults, as you get interested in prophecy or anybody that does really, one thing, and I've done a lot of listening and reading this week, uh, just in general, I, I kind of wanted to see, okay, what are these, some of these preachers saying about the current events, what's going on? So I've looked into a lot of different prophecy, and one word about the end times that I forgot was so prominent, the word is Israel. Israel. It's over and over again through end times prophecy. And I just say that so that, uh, you know, I think sometimes our ears need to perk up a little bit when Israel's in the news a lot, because uh, that is definitely a thing. Oh, hey, if I were to stop right now and ask, what is the, uh, what is the nation that is definitely around at the end times and a big part of the picture, would anybody be able to answer? Yes, sir. Right there. Israel, that's right. He's paying attention. That's good. See, I feel connected uh, so much better. But I owe that man a dollar, a dollar right, th right there. What do I, are you keeping score? Don't let me go over 50. Okay. Uh, I got th three right there. Okay, now let's go ahead and move in. We're going to summarize the first part of the chapter because it actually repeats something that we looked at back in Daniel chapter 2 about the kingdoms of the world. Daniel has a dream. Now, Daniel has an apocalyptic dream. Okay, what that means is it's, uh, it is not, you know, uh, it is dramatic, it is over-dramatized in what we see here. And he sees four creatures, but I want to tell you these creatures are not real. Uh, so do not be afraid, do not have nightmares after I show you this, and hopefully you can see this some. He describes four kingdoms, first uh, four creatures that represent kingdoms. First of all, there's a lion, if you can see him up there, a lion with the wings of eagles. Okay, that's the first one. He represents Babylon, the first world kingdom that we looked at, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, uh, the kingdom of Babylon. You may want to remember the lion Babylon. You got it? The lion Babylon. Okay, then the second kingdom is the bear. Okay, now this bear, this particular bear, it says is a bear that is lifted up on one side. 
Now, what that means is this, this kingdom was uh, two kingdoms combined. It was the kingdom of the Persians and the Medes. Why is it lifted up on one side? One of those kingdoms was more dominant, and eventually this kingdom just became known as the kingdom of the Persians. So we have, or the Persian Empire. So we have Babylon, and then we have Persia. Then you have down here, you have this leopard, and he has four wings. And of course, you know that the leopard is the fastest land animal, right? No, what is it? Cheetah. But if you put wings, oh, that's a, that's a dollar right there. Do you have that, cheetah? You got a dollar. Uh, but uh, if, you, if you put wings on your leopard, now it's the fastest animal going, okay? Right? Don't you think that would make it faster than a cheetah? I'm going with that. But this is to represent the kingdom of Greece, which conquered the world in record time. The great leader of Greece, you might remember, there was Philip, and then Philip got overthrown, actually got assassinated, and his son took over. Anybody know his name? The son's name? Any adults? Al, big Al. Alexander the Great. All right, good enough. Uh, that's a dollar. That uh-huh got her a dollar uh, right there. But uh, Alexander the Great took over, and he conquered the world in 10 or 11 years. By the age of 33 is when he died. But the leopard with the wings represents this incredible speed. It had four different heads that were north, south, east, west, the, the way the empire spread out. Uh, so there's another kingdom there. Now, remember, when this prophecy was given, we were in Babylon and maybe just into Persia. So now this is all history that is told ahead of time, which is what prophecy is, okay? Then you get the last kingdom. That's a weird little picture they have there. It doesn't really say what kind of animal it is, except it is this beast, this terrible beast that represents the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire, this beast has ten horns growing out of its head. Okay, ten horns growing out of its head. And again, I'm not going to go into, well, that means that one of those is the United States. and one. I don't really know. I do know that the Roman Empire, unlike, and actually chapter 7 tells us this, unlike these ever, other empires, is not replaced. It, is, it, it breaks apart, but it is not replaced. The influence of Rome is still around today. In fact, the American Constitution was largely based on the Roman Republic idea. Okay. So, if I were to ask a question, just in case I come back to it, like what, uh, what country did America base a lot of its government on, you might say Rome. I might come back to that later, or I might say now, hey, what country was America's government based on a lot? And you would say, yes, sir. There you go. See how simple that was? Uh, Rome right, right there, very good. Okay, so anyway, we've had these four kingdoms. Now, the last kingdom has these ten horns. Now, if I pick it up here in chapter a seven verse number eight it says i considered the horns and behold there came among them another horn a little one before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots they were violently overthrown so what we have is a situation where there is a looks like a, a alliance of these 10 countries these 10 horns but there comes up this little horn that overthrows three of them and comes to power there. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speak, speaking great things. Now, we are going to get just a little deeper here in the prophecy here for a second. This is a picture of an individual who will come to power. Okay? And the individual we would just probably refer to as the Antichrist. Okay? Uh, Paul called him the uh, man of sinfulness. But uh, John actually, in, in his writings, called him the Antichrist. Okay, so there, what is going to happen is there is going to come somebody who rises to power out of this. Now, I'm going to jump ahead in our chapter, 
and really begin to talk about the interpretation of the dream, okay? So, so we're going to jump ahead. By the way, just out of curiosity, uh, the lion with wings, what kingdom did that represent? Yes, sir? The man's getting rich. Uh, the, uh, the bear, remember that one? The bear, lift up on one side, starts with a P, rhymes with Ursha. Yes. Persia, that's right. Uh, very good. And then we had the, uh, the leopard that went all over the place and conquered the world real fast. Remember the empire? Remember the empire? Yes, sir, again. Greece. And then we have this beast, which is taken over the whole earth. The beast is, yes, sir, back there. Rome. Very good. Okay, so we have these, these four uh, empires, and now they've been replaced by this horn that comes. And I looked. And the horn made war with the saints. Don't forget that. He made war with the saints. So obviously the Antichrist is not going to be real fond of the, those who follow God. Okay? And he prevailed over them until, big word, he did prevail over them. There's going to be a time when it looks like who is winning this thing. The wrong side is winning this thing. But until the Ancient of Days, what God has called here, came and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And a time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. See, what's going to happen there is this guy is going to come to power, this Antichrist. But, oh, no, not for long. There's going to come a day then when God says, no, you're done. You're done. Until the Ancient of Days come and he judges him, he says, you are done. Look at verse number 23. Then he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth. Again, this is Rome, which shall be different from the other kingdoms. The other kingdoms were replaced. This kingdom continues, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it into pieces. And as for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be different from the former ones and shall put down three kings... And here's what he's going to do. Again, this is talking about the man of evil, the evil one, the Antichrist. It says, he shall speak words against the Most High. He's going to blaspheme. Look at this next phrase. And he will wear out the saints of the Most High. There's going to be a time when it's just like, this guy's winning. This guy's got it. He's got us worn out. And shall think to change the times and the law. Now, I'm going to stop on that phrase for a second because I want you to see something. This might be your aha moment, okay? If you're not paying attention, you're thinking, this is silly. This man's throwing around money, and I don't have any. Uh, but um, the, uh, I want you to listen to the, this for a second here because as I read this, this is one of those phrases that if I was reading, I would just say, oh, I don't know what that means, and go on. You know what I mean? Uh, he shall think to change the times. I don't know what that means. And the law. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I get the law. I get the idea of that being the word of God. Okay, he's going he's gonna to go against God's law. But the times I didn't get until I opened up my little study books and everything like that and dug that out. And when they talk about the times, what was crucial to the people of God back then was their calendar and all of their feasts and their times of worship. That was crucial to them. Okay, if you have ever looked at calendar and sometime and seen different names of different holidays in the, the, the Jewish holidays, uh, I mean, this is, this is a part of just their, their worship is essential that now is the time when we do this, and now is the time when we do this. So when it is talking about changing the times and the law, we can say that he is going to attack two things, and that is going to be the Word of God and the worship of God. Okay, he's going to attack what two things? Yes, sir? And the, we've got the worship of God. He said, and the 
The law of God. That's right, the Word of God. Now, the reason I wanted to be clear when I started today is I am glad to occasionally do something different. I wouldn't mind if on a Sunday morning someday we say, hey, you know what? This Sunday is going to be the Sunday of service. We are not going to meet here. We're going to go out and meet other places. I'd be okay with that occasionally. I am good with on Memorial Day weekend doing something different and passing out dollars and, and being a little goofier than I usually am. I'm good with that. However, I want you to know a commitment that I have because I believe it is something God tells us to do. We are committed when we gather here on Sunday morning primarily to those two things. I want to make sure that we can gather and worship God. Okay? Um, Adam and, and Rachel and Kevin up here today, their goal is not to entertain Okay, their goal is not that their goal is to lead us in looking upward and, and the others that 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 serve on other weeks and, and help in that way. It is not to put on the best show we can. It is to help people and guide people towards looking towards God. Okay, the offering box out there is not to somehow pay off God or or anything like that. That is, again, a way that we come in and we worship God. This is what we do. We want to have this be an opportunity for us to do that. And I always want to encourage you to do that. You know, it's, it is so easy to blah, blah, blah through singing. It, it really is. I mean, I, you know, I've been in church for almost 50 years now. And, uh, I mean, it is easy to just go through the motions and rather stop and thinking. And that first song we sang today about Egypt, I think that's the second time we've sung it. It's a little new. But uh, my wife wasn't here the first time we sang it. She was down the hallway, and she was like, hey, that was a good song. I kind of like new. But it made her stop and think about what she's singing. New song. And that's what I hope we're doing all the time. I hope we're worshiping. I hope we're focusing on him. And I want you to know that I am committed to making sure that we're teaching the Word of God, okay? I don't know how else to say that, but, um, you know, many times, you know, well, well, hey, we need 10 points on how to battle depression, okay? You might need 10 points on how to battle depression. Uh, you might need, uh, you know, 12 points on how to be just a general success in life or something like that, but that's not why we're gathered here, okay? And I want you to know that I'm committed to make sure that it's not, hey, how big of a show can I put on uh, to hold people's attention or anything like that? I want to be committed to those two things primarily because they are what he is opposed to. He is going to attack worship, and he is going to attack the preaching of the Word of God. And hey, just a little thought here. My, um, my wife and I have some strict rules with our kids when they moved away, like to college. We told them, you can call with problems anytime you want before 9 p.m. That's the rule. Because two things, if they call too late, number one, we're not with it. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> we don't really even listen to them. Uh, and secondly, then it keeps us up at night if we do listen. Okay? So we were always like, hey, you got to call before 9 if you got a problem. That's, that's just the rule. Uh, and uh, as years have continued, I've realized that uh, my wife and I really do not have many intelligent conversations past Seven now, probably. Uh, we just don't. You know, we just kind of, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to stay up till bedtime. Okay, we got, uh, got it like that. But we're sitting there the other night. I think it was about 930. And my wife says, hey, you know, I was thinking about this. this so here's a uh, profound thought from Francis. Are you ready for this? But she says, you know, every other time when America has faced like great opposition, like, uh, you know, we're thinking of like 9-11 and things like that. What happens is, a couple things happen. One is people unite and people turn to God. Okay? That happens in every other situation. People unite, they come together, and they turn to God. I was remembering, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, the, uh, the, I think the day after 9-11, they had a national service, and Billy Graham just flat out preached the gospel to millions of people. And I thought, whoa, 
Miracle, this is great. In the last year, what do we see happening? People uniting? Uh -uh. People turning to God? I hate to say this, but no, we don't. We see church, church attendance, just in general, is way down. And we see, you know, I don't have to tell you about the division, right? That people fight about pretty much everything. And, that, and it comes into the church, too. I, I point that out as I read this because, you know, again, I'm not like, well, this means Jesus is coming back this week. Trust me, I'd love to say that. Uh, but what I am saying is as I look at current events, that's one thing that gets my attention a little bit is, that, you know, this is not right now. This, what is going on is exactly what the enemy would love to have happen. The division, the breaking up, the destroying of worship, and the preaching of the Word of God, and if he could stop that. So we're definitely moving there with those things. And they shall be given into his hand, again, this is the Antichrist, for a time and times and a half. By the way, some of you that are familiar with prophecy, when you have a time and then times and a half, you have one plus two plus a half, you have three and a half. A lot of people uh, connect that to the three and a half years, the first three and a half years of the tribulation. Okay, just in case you wondered there, a little fun fact for you. Moving forward. <sighs> Okay, now, we're going to move forward with our text um, to the victory part here for a second, but it seems like I haven't asked any questions for a while here, so I want to review for, for just a second, if I might. How many horns did the beast that represent Rome have on his, on his head? Looking for a new hand. Yes, sir. Ten, that is correct. How many horns were violently uprooted and the guy took his place? Yes. Three, that is correct. And give me a name that we refer to this little horn by. We call him the, don't say Tom Brady. Uh, we call him the, yes. Okay, okay, this kid's going to go home with his college paid for if we don't, uh, more people don't, don't, don't plug in here. We don't want to get there. Okay, that is correct. Okay, moving forward. Are we ready? But the court shall sit in judgment, and his, that's talking about this Antichrist, his dominion shall be taken away and be consumed and destroyed to the end. So the day is coming now when this Antichrist is going to be destroyed, and the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So what it says is, what Jesus is saying here is, even though it may not look like he's winning now, and things may go, no, not may, things will go from bad to worse, he wins. Okay? So I want to give you a couple points to take home. And uh, one of them, first of all, we're going to give you the adult version. Are you ready? The adult version is, we can be far too preoccupied with the immediacy of our misfortunes. Okay? There's, there's a good lesson for the kids. You can be far, far too preoccupied. I was impressed with the, uh, with the high level of writing. I, the, the, there, you like that? We can be far, I can tell nobody else is, but it doesn't take much to impress me. Uh, we can be far too preoccupied with the immediacy of our uh, misfortunes. Life as it is now, we're looking and maybe we're experiencing chronic pain that stays with us. Maybe the loss of a loved one that just will not go away. Maybe it is just a, a bad marriage that we're, that we're in and we're, we're suffering through different things like that. But the hard times of this life often are consuming us to a place where we have not been able 
to focus on what God says. You say, you see, we're looking at God and we're saying, God, when are you going to do something? Why don't you do something? I don't understand. And God is saying this, I'm doing everything I need to do for my glory, for your ultimate good. And bottom line is, this kingdom wins. My kingdom wins. Okay, even though it may not look it like now. So, let's move to the kids' statement here, uh, the same statement for the kids. We hate the trip so much we forget where we're going. Okay, uh, we are so focused on the misfortunes of now that sometimes uh, my wife and I are planning a, a trip this summer, and uh, I'm not even sure this is intelligent, but we're going to go 14 hours one place, drive, uh, and then we got to move to a, another 11-hour trip, and then we come back, it's about 16 hours in, in the loop that we take. That is a lot of car time, I was going to say. And we're doing it without kids, I realize. But, uh, but still, it's a lot of car time. One of us can really get on the other one's nerves. I'm not going to say, uh, okay, it's me. But still, uh, that is a whole lot of time in the car. But have you been on one of those trips? Okay, Disney World, wherever. And it's like, you know, right away, why did we set off to do this? Is this worth it? And I think many times we're looking at our lives and we're just questioning, is this really worth it? I don't care if Disney World is at the end of this thing. It's not worth it. I don't really, I don't even want to go there. It's too long a trip. It's too hard a trip. Uh, we've been having, you know, th this is just a struggle uh, to, to keep going. And the message comes from God. You know, I want to read a couple verses to you here uh, from the book of Matthew, chapter 24. I want to read verses 20 and 21. I'm sorry, 21 22. For then there shall be, the words of the Lord, for then there shall be such great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no and never will be. So in other words, Jesus said there is going to be incredibly hard times. You can get it. It's going to be a rough trip. Okay, no doubt about it. But then he goes on and he says, and, in the, and if those days had not been cut short, no human being would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Now, I wanted to read those two because I wanted you to hear the words of Jesus say, hey, yes, hard times are ahead. The trip is awfully hard and it's awfully long. But he does say those hard times are temporary. They will be cut short. Okay? The difficulty will end. The hang in there because there is victory at the end. The second point, first of all, in adult terminology here, is that eschatology can be a pretty stinking tough study. But, and, and uh, we said this at the beginning, if we focus too much on the obscure, we can miss the obvious. Okay, eschatology is my, you know, $30 word for the day, but that is the study of the end times. Things are going to happen at the end. That can be pretty tough a lot of times. Uh, but if we get too caught up in the minutia, a lot of times we are going to miss that which is obvious. Okay? Does anybody in here uh, under the age of 12 know what the word is for the study of the end times? Yes, sir? He's brilliant. Uh, eschatology, that, that's right. You know what? You were up too, so I owe you a dollar too, okay? Uh, eschatology is, uh, uh, is the study that, that we look at as far as that goes. Now, let me paraphrase this for the kids, okay? Eschatology is the study, and we can miss the obvious uh, when we focus on the obscure. Here's what the kids need to remember. Bottom line is, we win. Okay, right, that's the, that's the victory, that's the bottom line. You have a uh, favorite movie 
Anybody, a favorite sports movie? Anybody? Adult? Anybody like? Anybody have a favorite sports movie? What? Rudy, remember the Titans. Okay, I wanted that to be about number five, but we'll take it now because that's my favorite. I love Remember the Titans. That's a bit, always been a favorite movie of mine. Uh, and uh, I think I have the memory of when it first came out, we went to the theater late at night, remember? It was a, she doesn't remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was with her. Uh, but we went, to, we went with some friends actually late at night to watch Remember the Titans. I'm going to say late at night. It was 10 o'clock when the movie started, which, you know, of course now we'd never even think about doing. But, uh, but we, were, we were there and we were, we were uh, watching this movie. The theater was packed. And I can still remember, you know, the Titans are down 7-3 to three at the end. And they have time for one final play. And they call in this guy that's been hurt all season, the Rev. And they hand him the ball and he does a reverse and he comes around and he runs for a touchdown. I can remember it because in the movie theater, the whole place erupted. It's like, you know, it's like they were really at the football game. Everybody's going crazy. Yeah, it's like that. I mean, it just, yeah, that is so good. Uh, stuff like that. Now, uh, of course, because I like that movie, and this was back in the days, do you miss the dollar theater? I miss the dollar theater, man. That was a date uh, that was cheap and, uh, and uh, everything like that. But, but uh, we went again a couple times to see it at the dollar theater. Now, I still enjoyed it. In fact, maybe I enjoyed it even more because there was no tension wondering what would happen at the end. But I kept looking forward to that play. Every time I thought, I know we win. I just can't wait for it. There, there it is. There it is. I can't wait. And when he'd say, Rev, come here. I said, yeah, the Rev. The Rev's going to run the play. All right, Rev, you can, uh, you can, you can do it. And I, I just couldn't wait for that every time. In fact, as a teacher, I used to figure out excuses to show the VHS of that movie uh, so I could show it at the end. You know, one of those at the end. teachers come on at the end of the year. Kids aren't listening anyway. Let's just show a movie. Uh, where, I'll tell you the spiritual lesson from Remember the Titans. You know, I had to stretch it so that I could watch my movie again, but I just wanted to see that play at the I want to see that victory. Okay, I knew it was coming, and I just loved it, man. Here, here it comes. I want us to try to adopt that thinking today in life. We know that victory is coming. That's what the Scripture says. Remember, uh, Daniel's given a prophecy, and, and, and uh, some of it, okay, we got Babylon, we got Persia, those ha had happened. He perfectly described Greece. He perfectly described Rome. And then he says there's going to come a rise of this evil one, and he's going to do everything he can to defeat the people of God. He's going to wear them down. It's going to be hard. There's going to be tough times coming. But bottom line is the Ancient of Days is going to speak one day, and he's going to say, you're done. You are done. Your kingdom is not here. This is my kingdom. I'm giving it to my people. We win. We win. Hallelujah. Uh, we win. Now, I need to, uh, oh, you know, I just want to thought that, I actually looked at my notes for the first time in a while. Uh, one other thought I want to remind you, I was just thinking of the difference uh, of watching the movie when I knew the end. There was so much of, more of a relax and a peace. I was looking forward to it with a relaxation and a peace that some of us are not experiencing right now because bottom line, it doesn't look like we're winning in a lot of cases. And, you know, good news, Pastor had for me today. I'm not saying things are going to get better real soon. What I'm saying, in fact, you can almost guarantee that things that we're going to experience things that are worse. But bottom line is, at the end, we win. Okay, at the, at the end, the victory is ours, but I'm using the word ours, okay, and the word that the Bible uses in there to tell who we are is we are the saints of God, and I want to make sure we understand what the Bible is talking about there because, you know, the saint 
uh, as is used in Scripture, is not, you know, where a church decided we're going to make somebody a saint, okay? It is not one of the apostles because, you know, we'd say St. Peter or St. Paul or anything like that. This is talking about those who, I'm going to use Bible term and kind of explain it, the blood-washed people. Now, that's weird. That's Bible talk, blood-washed. What does that mean? But it means those who have trusted in the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. Okay, those who have said, I know I need a savior. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm not deserving of heaven. I know I'm not good enough. I I come to that place. But I'm going to trust that God loved me so much. God's love was so incredible. God so loved this world that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him, the Bible says, will not perish but have everlasting life. And I cannot stress enough that the saint is not somebody who behaves a certain way. A saint is not somebody who is sinless. You know, I appreciated Adam start out and said, hey, I got got my stuff. We all have our stuff. We all have our stuff. That's why we all need a Savior. Okay? We all need Jesus Christ. And the saints of God, as the Bible describes, are, are those who have trusted in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin in his plan of deliverance. And God says those are the ones. That can, that can stand and say, we win, okay? I can, sorry, I'm going to do my little cat pose here. I can hang on uh, because as tough as it may get sometime, and again, I, please, please know this. The, I come back to this point a lot because I, I get people all the time kind of looking at me and just saying, Pastor, why? You know, this is hard. When is this going to end? You know, what could be the possible purpose in this, going through a hard time? Because many times, while they're going through difficulty, they're looking to God for answers, and they're saying, but I've I've prayed about this, and it wasn't answered, and everything like that. And the message that that I have to be truthful. I mean, I would love to say, hey, come, we'll pray about that, and you will walk out of here and never experience that again. Okay, let's, I'm going to lay hands on you, lady, and, and from now on, your husband's going to be as nice as he's ever been to you. Uh, I'm going to, do you know what I mean? I, I wish we could do that. Uh, I wish I could pop you in the head, and uh, all of a sudden, everything goes away. But the truth is, what we do is we cling to this message right here, because D- Daniel didn't get anything wrong. He got Greece right. He got Rome right, uh, this, and he's got this part right, too. God says, I'm going to set up my kingdom. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I know he's coming back, and I know ultimately we win if our faith and trust is in him and his forgiveness. I'm going to ask uh, Rachel, Kevin, and Adam are going to come back up, and we're going to sing again before we close. You know, while, while they're setting up, I, I, one announcement I did want to make, SOS coming up in two weeks, two weeks from yesterday or Friday night and, and yesterday. Uh, Josh says they could use some help during Saturday if you could come in some and help them with the meals, uh, serving the meals. Uh, that would be helpful. You could let him know or, or get a note into the church or whatever like that if you could help on that Saturday. The date of that is the 12th, uh, Saturday the 12th with that coming up. Father, we praise you for your faithfulness. Thank you. Father, may we uh, grow in our trust in you, the one who never fails, and the one for whom victory has already been won. May we stand in that. May we claim that. May we look to that even as we face the difficulties that may come upon us in this world. In your name I ask this. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website 
edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email info at edwardsburg.church or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.